0: Welcome to Total Reboot, the only podcast on the internet that dares discuss the most beautiful, fantastic art of them all, the beautiful art of cinema. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos and joining me on this new release reviews of Petit Mamon is one of my favourite movie mates in the entire world, Kate Jinx, How are you doing?
1: Oh, it is such a pleasure to be here, Alexi. I miss you.
0: I miss you so much. I think this is the longest we've gone without reviewing a movie together in... Oh, my God, like half a decade or something.
1: I, I think so. I, I haven't even seen you in a cinema since December. So I,
0: Oh, God. And that was a beautiful experience. We saw licorice pizza together. So many of our dear friends surrounding us. Oh it God. was like a beautiful reunion before everyone got <laughs> taken back into their homes again.
1: Yeah, it was a beautiful pre-lockdown situation for us. Um, it was a great experience.
0: It was moving. It was powerful.
1: There were a lot of laughs.
0: And that's what cinema means to us. (laughs) Uh, If you're not familiar with Kate and I together, we used to review movies for years on an ABC TV show called The Mix. So, you know, after Cameron, you're like my closest movie mate there is.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, my partner was a bit annoyed when I described you as my favorite movie person, (laughs) like my favorite person to see a movie with.
0: Like, well, yeah, Well, you know, sure,
1: we've you got know. a special relationship. That's how it works.
0: <laughs> you know, no one's closer than when they're sitting facing something together, you know?
1: <laughs> you know, we. one of my favorite experiences I had in the cinema with you, Alexi, mm-hmm. is when we saw Book Club. Yeah. And we both like squealed when Wallace Shawn came on screen. <laughs> And I just yeah. loved that film so much. And recently, like last Christmas, I was at my girlfriend's parents' place mm-hmm. and I'm always kind of put in charge of choosing the movies. Yep. And this time I was like, well... Very
0: I- stressful operation, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> it's, it's Christmas time. And then also you've got a high pressure situation We have to pick the perfect movie for the whole family.
1: Yeah. It's And it's very much a situation of please pick something where something happens in any movie. Thank you. Yeah. And I <laughs> thought, I can't go wrong with book club. And I spent the entire film, like, cringing, thinking oh. this wasn't quite as good as when I saw oh, it with Alexi. It
0: truly. Because I remember that screening so fondly. I would also say that's one of the best movie times we've had together as well, if not the number one. Because mm. it was an early morning, like 9, 10 a.m. A beautiful
1: time a- for movies.
0: A beautiful time for movies. And it also just, no matter what it is, if you're watching, like, a Gal Pal movie, Diane Keaton, Candice Bergen, Jane Fonda... No matter what time of day it is, it's Sunday afternoon and you're drinking a glass of wine.
1: It's beautiful. It's I love it. it
0: it's just- transportive cinema. <laughs> <laughs> one of the other great times we had together was actually one that I would say kind of relates to us today. I remember when we saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire together, the previous film from director Selene Skiyama, where we... I remember you had already seen it and you've been like hyping it up to me. And I was excited, but also nervous because it was 2019. By the way, best year I ever had in the cinema. Probably the best times I've ever had sitting down was that 2019. (laughs) We had like an amazing run where it was The Irishman, Marriage Story, Pain and Glory, uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, like all in a row. And I was like, I've never lived this well in my life. Little Women as well in the same time period. It was like a three-week period. And I remember we saw Portrait of a Lady on Fire together and- Just my face was wet the final like half hour of the movie and I remember turning to you as soon as it ended I go that movie had the best ending I've ever seen and then it had another one and it was better than the last one and then it had a third ending that was better than all of them combined and I don't think I'd ever had that experience before it's like you could have cut that movie at any of those three points <laughs> but they kept building and being more powerful than the last
1: oh, truly and usually with a film that has those kind of multiple exit points you're like you should have ended it then you should have cut it then I don't need this little bit, this like epilogue, but portrait of a lady on fire. You're like, uh oh, please, I-, I need the updates. I need any updates you've got on these characters. Yeah, I felt it was I kind of put it on myself to become that film's like hype hype woman.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were the champion of that film in the Southern Hemisphere.
1: <laughs> I was just like, I saw it at a mm-hmm. festival, and it was like. Pff- this is my whole identity. This movie. I <laughs> think, like, I actually came out of like review retirement to write about it. Um, wow. At the at the time, I remember writing to the editor of the monthly, going, "Yeah, I, you need to you need to print me talking about this movie."
0: <laughs> I and beg of did. you, for the good of the nation, I must be the one to cover this movie. And
1: it doesn't come along very often a film like that mm. where I think. Oh, no, this is something that I want to talk about. Um, yeah. Usually I'm quite happy to <laughs> read other people's reviews. But, uh, but yeah, God, that was a beautiful a beautiful movie.
0: God, it was one of the great times of my life. And I would say as well, it's been so great hearing you talk about movies, TV shows and stuff on the regular on your new podcast, See Also with Brodie Lancaster. I think it's such like a great like Saturday morning catch up for all the kind of culture that you might have been missing or that you need to get on or what's already happening in the zeitgeist.
1: Yeah, it's been such a pleasure. I mean, you know, you think who needs a podcast? Another podcast in this day and age? Mm. Um, turns out, I did at least. Yes, and you- <laughs> we've got a few listeners, um, but it's been really, really fun to yeah catch up with Brody every week and talk about what we've been. Watching and listening to, but also we're just the kinds of people like you also who just Mm. go off on a million tangents all the time and like everything relates to like something you've seen 10 years ago or you've listened to or like something you ate, whatever. And we kind of give each other- the ability to just go off on those crazy tangents, and that's the show, essentially.
0: I think the other thing I really love about it is that you kind of like tie it into maybe stuff from the past that you've seen. Like, I love when you were talking about like the 10th anniversary of Girls, and you brought up a movie that you introduced me to that's become one of my all time favorite films Girlfriends. What a movie! One of the best movies, and it's easy to access now. I remember when you told me about it, I had to go to a library to pick up a DVD, and now you can just watch it. It's on my Criterion channel. I've got the Criterion Blu-ray that I pre-ordered, mind you, as soon as I saw it come out. And uh, also, you do, like, kind of recommend things that are outside the realm of popular culture, like candles and scents and stuff like that. I'm like, that is to be such like the next level. I just love it so much.
1: I'm so glad you say that. Yeah, you know, I love to talk about my favourite incense.
0: Why not? <laughs> Why not? you got to bring all of the interest together in a podcast. <laughs> That's what it is.
1: I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad with Girlfriends because I actually ran into a friend of mine who'd listened to the podcast the other night mm-hmm. and he said he had never heard of it and he had ordered the DVD of it. I was yeah. so pleased. So many DVDs.
0: (laughs) That's it. It's all DVD culture that you're inspiring, and it makes me so proud. I never th- saw it coming for you that it, it inspired DVD <laughs> culture, but you have.
1: <laughs> I love that you're, like, next step up. You've got the
0: Blu-ray. I love it. Exactly. That's it. And, you know, the only way that we could combine all of our interests together if one day, down the line, you and I do a an Law & Order SVU podcast, oh, and that will be the heaven.
1: We actually should. That's actually a really good idea.
0: Yeah, maybe. Maybe we do. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, not your, like, CSI or anything, but no. SVU...
0: We love that SVU.
1: Mm, we love that SVU. I watched <laughs> so much of it in lockdown and then felt really, like, bad. I was very much, you yeah. know, like, a cab, but
0: SVU. <laughs> Bro, I watched, like, 20 years of it in, like, two weeks. I, really, I caught back up and I lost my mind.
1: What is, yeah, what, I don't know what it was about that show. Like, everyone else seemed to be watching The Sopranos, which mm-hmm. is a great show for lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much you can get into with that show, but I was like, no, I
0: just want to watch SVU. I want the calming nature of the exact same plot with different points in it, over and over again, I want to do twenty episodes in one day where the same thing happens. <laughs> Eisty has the same reaction.
1: Oh just my god! Over yeah. and over, those heinous crimes. Just give them to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, one thing I found a lot of comfort in recently, to beautifully segue into our main segment of the podcast today, is a movie that you also have been the champion of for this year in my realm. You put it on my list. You made me excited for it, and it is coming to cinemas. This week on Thursday in Australia, we're talking about Celine Siama's new film, Petit Maman. But before we get into it, let's take a moment to hear from the ads that are supporting the podcast this week. <laughs> So, Kate, tell us a little bit about Petite Maman.
1: Oh, gosh, isn't it a beauty? It's a little gem, this film.
0: It absolutely is.
1: Oh, I love it. Um, it's a beautiful tale about... It's a very small film in some ways. Like It runs for like 76 minutes or something. What a beautiful time. Oh, I gorgeous
0: runtime. Come gorgeous on. Gorgeous
1: runtime. Thank you, Celine Sharma. Uh, So it's about this little girl, she's eight years old, her name is Nellie, and it starts out with her in a nursing home and her grandmother, like a beloved maternal grandmother has died. And she and her mother and father go out to the grandmother's house to clean it out. And um, the mother finds it all very overwhelming and ends up leaving Nellie and the father to get it all happening. And one day Nellie... Goes out into the local, like the woods near the house and meets this other little girl who looks just like her. And they're mm-hmm. both played by these great little French twins. Love those little yeah. French twins.
0: They're amazing <laughs> French twins.
1: <laughs> Such good friend Of all the French twins, mm-hmm. I think they're the best. <laughs> and, um, and she strikes up a friendship with this other little girl. Um, the little girl's name is Marion. Her own mother's name is Marion. Do you mm-hmm. see what's happening here?
0: There's uh, a little perhaps magic realism being conjured up in these moments.
1: yeah, and uh, and so Nellie starts kind of putting together exactly who this little girl, Marion, is. and she goes to her house and it's the exact same as the house that she's just come from. Uh, it's and they have these like little adventures together and start speaking about what uh, Marion is going through with her own mother. And then what Nellie has been going through and Nellie kind of starts to realise who Marion is and gives her kind of, I don't know, like comforting- mm. These really comforting conversations happen between the two of them of like mother and daughter, but they're also little girls. It's yeah. just a
0: divine film. It I think divine is such a right word because there is this kind of like ethereal warmth that this has as this- I, like a perfect autumn magic realism family movie. I've only seen a couple of other movies from Celine Sciamma before. I think I saw Tomboy years and years ago and Girlhood. But did you kind of expect a family, like a sweet kind of family adventure movie coming from her?
1: No, and it has quite a, like an 80s vibe to it with these little girls in their Parkers in the woods, you know, um, and building this beautiful tree fort. Um, it is such a perfect autumn film. You're totally right about that. Uh, no, I didn't see it coming, but she has, Selene has worked a lot with children in the past or children's stories. So I didn't expect it, but now looking back, I'm like, this makes complete sense for her. So she made Tomboy in 2011, which was one of her first films. Um, which was about a young child who has to move out of Paris with their f- family into a small kind of community and the child is kind of reckoning with their own gender and experimenting with their gender. And it's a, re- just a it's a really excellent film and it really blew me away. I'd never heard of Celine Sharma when it I saw the film on a punt at a festival mm. and... Yeah, was really blown away. It was, like, the best film I saw that year, Easy. And uh, had been, obviously, keeping up with her work, you know, with Girlhood and, and Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Water Lilies. But she also was one of the screenwriters for an animated film from, I want to say 2019, could be wrong, mm. called um, My Life as a Zucchini.
0: Oh, my God. I had no idea she was in that. You've, ju- you've literally just confounded me because it makes so much sense now. That's such, like, a... Beautifully somber, soft, very quite melancholic, sad, claymation children's film. Yeah. And it, I, as soon as you said it, these two films, like, belong together in that kind of, like, that somberness of childhood-
1: yeah there's as you say there's like a lot of melancholy in it mm. and um yeah my life is a zucchini or my life is a courgette for our french listeners uh <laughs> is was a was one of those films that didn't get didn't quite go where it needed to go it wasn't yeah. seen by enough people mm. um i remember we did a really small run of it at golden age in sydney and it's floating around online and It's really worth watching. I think that people would get into it now. It just sort of came out at the wrong time or something. Um, But, yeah, there is a nice kind of leap between that and Petite Maman, and also uh, Celine Schaumer's work with children. I know that she has said that she was extremely scared of Tomboy, of working with that child actor, um, that it felt very risky at the time. You know, you never work with children or animals, right? And – And that working on that film and for it to be quite a success and for those children to, like, essentially she gets children to play in front of the camera. They're not in these kind of weirdly demanding roles or anything like that. They're just sort of existing on camera. And so in Tomboy, there's just, I mean, there is a lot of kind of gender confusion and dysphoria and experimentation in this really great way. Like, it's such a positive great way like it's just I haven't seen anything like it on screen still and it came out in 2011 um but a lot of the best scenes from that film is this character just playing like soccer with these other kids and these and the camera's really low and just kind of swirling around these children who are all having a really nice time that's kind of the film um and Petit Maman is shot on this kind of lowish level like it feels like You're right there with these two little girls the whole time. It's really special.
0: It really is. I think you kind of hit on something that I found fascinating in this is because, like, this is a short movie. It's only, like, 70 minutes long.
1: No excuses for missing it.
0: Absolutely no excuses. And it's also interesting because I feel like with this short runtime, it almost, like, leads itself or lends itself to being more welcoming for perhaps its intended audience with his, you know, young people, children. It kind of can... I think like a movie at this length with this kind of tone and soberness could still be in like the attention span of a child. Because I remember so many things like this appealing to me when I was a kid. Like watching this, I had so many moments where I remembered stuff like... You know, just watching like old Disney cartoons like, you know, Winnie the Pooh or uh, like Pete's Dragon type stuff where there's this is kind of like slow Sunday afternoon vibe to it all. And I felt like this really captured this very interesting perspective that I've not seen done so beautifully or so uniquely where there is it is totally from the perspective of a child as they are kind of interpreting these very adult events around them which is you know death aging mortality it's about a little girl whose grandmother has just passed away and her mother has a similar chronic illness of some kind that you don't really understand because you're seeing from a child's perspective you just kind of get the glimpses of those things and the hints of those things coming together and to have the mother's perspective then to be shifted into uh, a petite mother's perspective (laughs) I think this film finds like this kind of really powerful And soft sense of wisdom. There are moments where you see the two girls playing with each other. And then the play devolves into discussion. And devolves into them talking and relating to each other. And even though these are two very young actors. Josephine Sanz and Gabriel Sanz. There's moments where you see the petite mother talking and reflecting on information about their own future from the perspective of her daughter. And she talks about how she loves her daughter and and like is excited to meet her one day and stuff like that, that kind of like finds this balance of both being a child's and a mother's perspective at the same time that I kind of can't even fathom after having seen the movie already.
1: Yeah, it's um, – have you seen Russian Doll, the season two of the new Netflix
0: I've series? I've not seen it, no.
1: Well, there's a little Petite Maman in that. And uh, yes. and I thought about Petite Maman while I was watching it, of this kind of mother-daughter meeting at different times in their lives and, like, one of them being quite young, uh, not giving away anything, of course. But, yeah, Petite Maman does it in this – like, essentially, it is a magical realism story. In some ways, you can even view it as, like, A Céline Schama sci-fi. Yeah. Um, And – but it is at its core this very special little family story. Like, it's really about, yeah, grief and loss and memory, but also that thing of how you deal with things as a child and also giving someone – Like thinking about what an adult has gone through and how what they had to deal with when they were a child as well. So it is this kind of very, you know, it's like intergenerational reckoning or internet, not intergenerational trauma as such, but just those
0: conversations that,
1: I don't know, you don't get to have, you never get to have that conversation with your uh, parents, do you?
0: Never. I think it's right. It's not like, it's not trauma, but it's like that when you have those deep emotions as a kid, you have those, those powerful moments in life that you have to kind of forever ponder with like it's not traumatic but it leaves a mark on you and I think to play it so kind of it's like very softly delicate it's kind of the way that I keep thinking about this movie because it's full of emotion it's full of joy and it's full of like this somber sadness but it is more so like the sadness of life rather than like oh and in like you know when you see a movie and it's like oh my god i'm feeling every powerful moment they're showing the screen it's just more like the kind of melancholy that life can emit that is not unpleasant and what i found like so sweetly nice about this movie is this sense of play that you were talking about earlier where you're just seeing these two children that are sisters in real life playing this kind of Similar dynamic on the screen and you're just seeing them like you know make crepes together and stuff like that the sense of play with these kids there is like this genuine authenticity to it all that just feels so lived in and so real watching it and it i think it has like this powerful like time travel effect watching it where it's not like You're just seeing, like, the actual lives of children on screen. I don't know if I've seen that in a long time, but also because I probably don't watch children, like, movies made for children either.
1: Yeah, same. I uh, very rarely do, um, unless I'm watching them for, you know, my work as a programmer. Uh, but that they're not like the, my first choice. I don't have children, so I'm not you know forced into that lifestyle. Yeah. But yeah, this but this film is for children, but it's so it's so much for adults too.
0: I think that's what I find interesting is do you think that I mean as, speaking as two childless people here,
1: <laughs> we're barren. <laughs> we're
0: absolutely barren. <laughs> but you know, I this is a kind of movie that I. Think that as a kid, I would have loved.
1: Oh, absolutely!
0: I do hope that people take their children to go see this movie. If you're a listener of this podcast, you have little ones. Please, I would say take them. Do you think that kids would kind of react to this movie?
1: Yeah, I think so because it is, um, you know, it's very much shot from the child from the child's perspective. So, mm. I. Yeah, I think so. It's. Um, I also want to note that there's this, there's no like score. There's no soundtrack mm. for the film until there's one beautiful yes. scene, uh, and then it's like this electro s- song that
0: starts in. It's it feels like modern so new wave music or something.
1: Yeah, it does. I think she works with him a lot. That the composer, his name slips past me at the moment, but um, yeah, I, I think that it is. I think oh, I would have loved it as a kid. It's like you know the the, sh- the films that you were mentioning before, Pete's Dragon, etc. Like they're quite sad films. <laughs> You're dealing with a lot in those films. Um, and le- like never-ending story, those like oh, that era. That's one of my favorite of- movies. <laughs> <laughs> that era of trauma, traumatic uh, children's mm. films, like that are all about melancholy and like mm. existentialism, essentially. And that's kind of what is, you know, in Petite
0: Maman. There is such like this gentleness to this movie that I think like speaks to speaks to like childhood memory in a way as well. That I think that you know I think you're so used to thinking about like kids entertainment as entertainment full stop it's just something to put a kid in front of so they can enjoy something watch something be wrapped up in something but be kind of like a surface level experience and i think that there's so much value in kids entertainment and kids Film, cinema, TV, in being, or, or literature especially, in being a bit more reflective and being a bit more kind of have a, have an actual depth and resonance to it. And I think this is really this really awoken those things for me too. Because when I think about like stuff that I loved a kid, it's you know often. Things that challenged me that stick with me, you know, like Jumanji, I think about a lot because it's like the first horror movie that I ever saw or, you know, stuff like Round the Twist or... There was a show I used to love that this reminded me of a lot as well, the, the Animals of Farthing Woods. Did you ever see that <gasps> yes! show?
1: Yes! Uh, oh my god, I have not thought about that in a long time.
0: But and that yes. was like an animated show that was basically water shipped down on a, like a weekly <laughs> schedule. Like every week it would come out with like, yes, a new freaking Kestrel is getting killed by a hunter somewhere and the badgers are trying to help them. And I think this kind of like has that same kind of phantasmagoric magical realism to it all that I think is so welcome in like children's hearts when they're this age
1: yeah i i love watching children on screen in these sorts of settings like i don't, as we said i don't watch a lot of kids tv or movies but um these very sort of adult films not that use of the word adult um <laughs> and with i don't know you like you get these incredible directors who hmm. just allow these kids to exist on screen, um, and it kind of furthers the whole plot and all that kind of thing, but they're just being really present. Like, they're making Mm. crepes. They're, like, taking a boat out on the lake, you know? Like, that's what I want to see. It's just – it's really – I guess it, like, you know, taps into your own inner child and all that kind of boring stuff, but it's – yeah, there's something in it that – within Petit Maman that I really connected with um, – from those children and often with a film with like about children, I'm like, we care where the adults? Bring them back. I want to hear their Mm. conversations. Uh, And I was always like that as a kid uh, myself. (laughs) But (laughs) with this, I was just so happy to watch these. I didn't want those. I didn't want that dad to come back, you know, didn't care, get out of here. Um, Yeah. I wanted to hear how these children were processing their emotions, I suppose. And, Processing this. And they're very kind,
0: these kids. Mm.
1: Um, I really, I just loved all of that.
0: I loved it too. I think this is such a special film about, like, intergenerational relationships and how they work in an extremely unique way. It's one to see that will kind of make your inner child sing in a, probably a way that you've not connected with in quite some time. I give this, like, pretty much my highest recommendation. I think everyone should go see this this week. I am going to give this four and a half stars. I'm giving it five. I mean, it deserves it. I feel guilty
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a really perfect film. I think it does everything that it sets out to do. Um, It's stuck with me since I saw it. I saw it for the Berlin Film Festival, like, a year ago, and I can still... I can still, like, conjure up every scene from the film. Like, it just really stuck with me. Um, And I think it's very different from her other films, um, but is connected to them all. I don't know. Her body of work is just... There's nothing like it
0: at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right. It's... It's, it's so interesting to see her filmography kind of evolve as she goes on with this career. I One, I can't wait to see what she does next. I also have no inkling to what could be possibly coming up with Arma now. I want to also give you a see also <gasps> that this kind of movie reminded me of. It's a newer film. It came out this year. It's on Netflix at the moment. Um, it's Australian film from uh, debut director Thomas Wilson White called The Greenhouse. Have you heard of this film?
1: I haven't seen this. I need to see it.
0: I really, really liked it. It's also in that magic realism tone. It's also about, like, mother-child relationships and the intergenerational change that we have and how we relate to each other. It's from a more adult uh, perspective. It's adult children going home to see their parents um, after a tragic event. I won't say too much more there. But this one kind of reminded me of, like an indie version, a kind of an indie version, and magic realist touch to something like Narnia. I think, uh, except, you know, but about like family dynamics without going into like an epic fantasy. Uh, that's the kind of like tease that I'll give it, but it's worth checking out. It's called the greenhouse. It's on Netflix. I think people should definitely check it out. It's cool. a great movie, especially great Australian movie. Uh, Kate, you've got see also your new podcast, I love it so much. It drops every Saturday. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: Well, it's uh, it's basically me and my pal Brody Lancaster catching up every week. Brody is a writer and critic and editor and. We just were having these conversations, like, over text, these very long, long conversations, uh, like, have you seen this? Are you up to this? What are you up to? You know, that kind of thing. Um, And we decided to make a podcast out of it. Essentially, we kind of unpack what we have been watching that week and connect it to things that we have loved, um, you know, through our lifetimes, essentially. So most recently we've talked about Russian Doll and we went into – Natasha Leon's storied history, shall we say, and talked about time travel films. So everything's sort of connected within each episode. I think the one before that we talked about the Warhol Diaries on Netflix yeah. that I adored.
0: That put that on my radar. I can't wait to watch it. It sounds so fantastic.
1: Yeah, that one's getting lost in the algorithms, I feel. But, um... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's worth
0: searching for.
1: Um, if you scroll past Selling Sunset, you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it
0: is hard to scroll past Selling Sunset. That's it's another very one you talked about. It's very I difficult. I had never watched it. I had to watch it for work because I got to interview freaking Mary Fitzgerald from Selling no, Sunset. Did yes. you? Yes. Yeah. It is out there on the Lived Up podcast right now. If you want to hear me and Fricka talk to her. And I got addicted to it within the span of like one day. Because I was like, oh, i got to watch enough to, like, talk to her. I watched, like, five seasons in a very short time period. And now I'm just stuck waiting for God knows how long for a new season to come out.
1: Yeah, I'm halfway through season five at the moment. I'm, like, doling it out like little candies, you know?
0: You got to. You absolutely have to save yourself.
1: But The Warhol Diaries is a deep dive. It's, like, six mm-hmm. episodes and they all go for an hour. And you want to set aside the time for it. It's yeah.
0: really incredible. We had... S- such a great talk about it on C, also that just inspired me to like need to have to see it the podcast's great so beautifully produced as well i i think everyone should absolutely check it out if you like this podcast it will give you a weekly dose of like what you need in the world of like culture pop culture everything so put it in your freaking queue babes
1: <laughs> thanks alexi
0: my pleasure thanks so much for joining me today kate
1: oh thanks for having me on it's always a delight i've missed this
0: oh me too me too Later this week on Total Reboot, we're going to be continuing our heist mini series, all about heist movies and why we love them, with one of the all-time true classics of cinema, Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon. That episode is coming out next in the pipeline for the classic mini series, so check it out and stay tuned. If you want more from Cam and I, you can head over to Patreon.com/TotalReboot and sign up for bonus episodes. Until then, keep enjoying cinema, keep cherishing the world of the silver screen, and please, dear golly god, go see Petite Maman by Celine in cinemas now. Well, soon, actually, soon. Comes out this week on Thursday.